Good evening, church. Good evening, church. Good to see everyone. Uh, we are in the core of our series tonight. And if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, I saw new faces coming in tonight. My name is Carter. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossbridge. Uh, privileged to be with you this evening. We started this series activated five weeks ago. And we talked about how this series four years ago changed the lives of many in our church. It changed my life. And so I gave a plug from the very beginning of a few things. One of those things was to take notes. And all of you have been showing me your notes and telling me you're taking notes because I said, if you focus and if you dive in, I really believe that the Spirit is going to move in a powerful way to change your life, change your leadership, change your ministry, change the way that you engage in the church. And last week I told you that we were diving into now what is the core of the series. You see, we're looking at two primary things. One is the third person of God, the Holy Spirit. The front half of the series, we worked through that together and looked at the Holy Spirit and how he moves in our lives as individuals, in the church, through spiritual practices, the power that he brings to the life of the believer. And then last week we started this trilogy of sorts looking into the very specific spiritual gifts, that there are 21 spiritual gifts that we believe are in full use in the church, are activated in the church, and that we're praying that all of these gifts would be alive and deployed in this church. One of the things that I, I gave you all, as many of you were reading through it and taking notes, or if you look on our app and you click on the notes icon, they're there as well. I gave three markers for how to discover spiritual gifts in your own life. So that's a big question that I have been receiving, which is, this is great, but how do I know if I actually have one of these spiritual gifts or many of these spiritual gifts, more likely, that we're talking about? And so I said, there's three things that you want to look at. The first thing is you want to trust the Spirit. The Spirit will confirm the spiritual gifts that He has given you internally. You'll have a conviction that this gift is one of your gifts, and you will also have an earnest desire to use it. So you may think tonight, or maybe it was last week, or maybe it's next week, you'll be thinking, I really want that gift. Don't quench that. The Spirit works through our desires as Romans 14 says that we're to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Secondly, I said, diagnose your complaints, or we call it improvements, right? That all of us have opinions and things that we'd like to see improved or emphasized or added or given greater priority in the church. Diagnose that because oftentimes your gifts are associated with the places that you would like to see growth or improvement in the church. And then thirdly, it has four parts. I said that you need to analyze the ease at which a gift comes to you. Some of these gifts will just feel natural the way that they come to you. You're, to notice the frequency that some of these gifts are showing up in your life often. Take note of that. That you should test the results. So you should see what is the way that these gifts are used in my life. Is there greater power? Is there greater results when I utilize one of these gifts? And then lastly, you should feel a closeness to Jesus. For when you are operating in the gift that God himself has given you, you're going to experience a closeness to Jesus. For we are the body of Christ and the gifts have been given to the body of Christ so we can serve one another and we can grow one another. So you'll feel closeness to Jesus. Now, I want to look specifically at the test the results uh, marker. 
because this is an important distinction that I've been putting out over and over the past couple weeks because I think it's important that we nail this down, and that is that spiritual gifts are different than spiritual practices. These are different things, that spiritual gifts are unique in that you will have a few of them, some primary gifts, maybe some secondary gifts. Everyone in the church has them. But we are all called to spiritual practices. So what I mean by that is this. Just because something is not a spiritual gift, you don't, have, you don't, you don't get to say, huh, great, I don't have to do that at all. Right? I don't have the gift of evangelism, great, I never need to share my faith. That's not how it works. I don't have the gift of mercy, I don't have to be merciful. That's not how it works, okay? Spiritual gifts and spiritual practices are different. Most of these gifts, all of us are seeking to implement in our lives as spiritual practices. Mercy, service, giving, evangelism, shepherding. All, we're trying to practice these things, but God gifts some of us uniquely in these things. Here's a major way to tell the difference. The results that come from you using or practicing these things. Let me give you an example. Let's say that there's a, a big wind gust that comes through, and outside of my house, there's a huge tree and branches that fall over into the road, and it's got to be removed. We have to cut it up, and we have to put it in a big pile so it can, you know, people can drive, and there's not a hazard. So I invite you and a bunch of people over. I say, listen, can you come help me cut this tree down? We've got to cut it down to size. They can't just, like, pick up the whole tree and take it. We've got to cut it down. We've got to stack it. You can take some firewood home for the two weeks of the year that it's cold here. Whatever you want, okay? Come over. You come over, and there's a few of us, and I hand you a simple saw. You know, like the saw that's like wiggly, and, and then we have one that's like you have both sides. I don't know what they're called. You can tell I've never really used these. So we're out there, and we're trying to cut the tree down. One of you is, you know, cutting with the ones on a, on a branch with this, the wiggly saw, and then two of us have the lumberjack saw where you're on either side of it, and we're cutting. We're making progress, but it's going to take a while. And we're just, we're, I mean, it's, we're hours in, and we've got maybe a third of the branch and the tree done, but... We know we have to do it. We're practicing. We're working at it. It's got to be done. This is obedience. But then we hear this. And my neighbor walks over like, hey, I'm here. And he walks over with a chainsaw. I thought about bringing a chainsaw on stage, but then I thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> he walks over with a chainsaw, and he's like, hey, can I help? What's our response? Uh, yes, please. And he's, and the whole tree's done in 10 minutes. Would have taken us 10 hours with simple saws, and the chainsaw, it takes 10 minutes. This is the difference between spiritual gifts and spiritual practices. Spiritual practices, we are all called to implement. They take discipline. They take work. As Eugene Peterson said, the life of the Christian is a long obedience in the same direction. We're moving towards Jesus. It's long obedience. And so many of these practices take discipline. They take sacrifice. They take humility. we got to work at it. It's like working that simple saw trying to cut the tree down. But when you use a spiritual gift, it's like taking a chainsaw. The results are different. The power is different. The speed at which something is accomplished is different. They're different. And what I hope that you see tonight, next week, and that you get confirmed from last week is that the spiritual gifts that God has given you, they are to be used because they bring great power to the church. We do not want to be a church full of people using simple saws only. We want to be a church full of chainsaws, okay? 
Go tell your friends what you learn in church. My church wants to be a church full of chainsaws, okay? It's a great opening conversation. We want to be full of chainsaws because we want to be a church where all the gifts are represented, where they're used so that the speed and the movement at which we might grow together, we might accomplish God's vision and mission for our church is greater because many of us are using the chainsaws, the spiritual gifts that God has given us. Amen? Amen. Church of Chainsaws. I can see the t-shirt now. <laughs> Let me give you a few other things that we said last week. It's important that you, roll, you keep this in your mind as we look into the six word gifts. Last week I said, again, that spiritual gifts are the only guaranteed places of power. That's because they're chainsaws. And God gives these gifts to us. We do not develop them. You do not earn them because you've been a Christian for a long time. You're, they're given to you by the Spirit. The Spirit decides which gifts to give you. And they're independent of your success in life or your personality or the skills that you have acquired. They are given by God to you because of His grace and because of how He wants to use you. And the gifts have no uh, levels to them. I said there's no economy gifts and first-class gifts. You're not working on one gift to upgrade to another. There's no superior gifts at all, only a, a superior spirit who empowers them all and everyone. This is the reality of the gifts. And so because of this, all the gifts matter in the church, and you therefore also matter because you matter to God, and the gifts he's given to you have been given to you by God for you to use. This is important to understand because we looked last week into the love gifts. There's four of them. We said that the love gifts manifest the practical love of Jesus. So people that utilize the chainsaw love gifts, they make Jesus' love known to us in a practical way. The four love gifts are the gift of administration. This is the person that's driving the ship. They're not the one that charts the course, but they know how to get the ship safely to its destination. They're thinking of how to get there, not where we're going. Very good at this. Also, the gift of helps or service, a person that serves behind the scenes and wants to support the church, and no task is too big or too small. They'll take on anything, and it builds great momentum in the church when people come and see that people, regardless of their career or regardless of their skills, are just willing to serve because they have the gift of helps or service. Third is the gift of mercy. This is the person that is empathetic and has compassion on people in great distress. They want to see needs met for those that are hurting. That's in the church and also outside of the church. And then fourth is the gift of giving. This is the gift that's given to some of us that want to give above and beyond what is asked of all of us. These are the people that want to see that their ability to steward financial resources and work with financial resources to bless and resource the church to do more ministry. Gift of giving. And tonight we're looking into the word gifts. The word gifts. And here's what the word gifts do. They are chainsaws that clarify the nature, actions, and purposes of God. And some of you last week may be thinking, hey, I don't have a love gift. I kind of am feeling left out. I'm hoping I get one tonight. That's okay because I don't have any love gifts either. All of those gifts are practices for me. Administration, 
service, mercy, giving. These are things that I practice, that I, are disciplines of my life. They're not unique. They're simple saws that I keep working at and I, I keep in my life. They're not chainsaws for me. And you may feel like that too. And my prayer is that tonight that you believe that God is going to reveal a word gift or next week when we look at the power gifts because I believe that God will, will reveal many of these to you. So word gifts, they clarify the nature, the actions, and the purposes of God. And let me say this as we jump into our passage tonight in Ephesians chapter 4. It's really important, this is really important, that if you missed last week, maybe you were out of town, maybe you just couldn't make it for some reason, that you go back and listen on any podcast service, on YouTube, and that you come back next week because these sermons are a trilogy. And you cannot judge a trilogy based upon one installment. You have to experience the entirety of it because you don't want to miss a week of gifts and then be like, well, I don't have any of those gifts, but you don't even know. So make sure you go back and listen, focus tonight, come back next week for the power gifts. So these word gifts, they create and refine vision and mission in the church. Here are the six of them. Teaching, exhortation or encouragement, apostleship, leadership, pastoring, and evangelism. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. This is our main passage for this evening. It starts in verse 11 to verse 13. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus and to us. That he, this is God, the Spirit, gave, <coughs> gave the apostles, the prophets, he's speaking about gifts. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, that's the church, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the whole of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Paul is saying here, he's highlighting five gifts. There's six word gifts. We'll see that from another passage that we looked at last week. He's highlighting these gifts, and he's saying that God has given these gifts to the church for the equipping and the building up of the body for the saints, for everyone to do the work of ministry. Because what these gifts do is they make clear to us the nature of God, the actions of God, and the purposes of God. And you notice the language that he uses here is corporate language, that these gifts have been given. Why? Until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood to the measure of the fullness of Christ, that these gifts would grow us and develop us and clarify and build us and teach us. That's what these word gifts do. That is their function. And these gifts, I'm going to give a couple disclaimers before we dive into the six of them. Some of these gifts are going to resonate deeply with you. They're going to resonate deeply with you primarily because the tradition that you were raised in, or maybe your experiences in church, highlighted and elevated these gifts. So if you're in the room and you were raised Presbyterian, Baptist, Anglican, non-denominational, which are like disenfranchised Baptists. If you were raised any of that, okay? If you were raised in that reality, 
then these gifts are probably going to resonate with you. Why? Because these denominations typically elevate things that are associated with these gifts. So for instance, if you come from this tradition, if this has been your experience in the church, then you will have come from a place that elevates intellectualism, deep theology, organizational structures, boosts forward order and excellence, outreach initiatives, church growth strategies. These denominations, they don't have, maybe not every denomination has every one of these in line, but as a, as a whole, these things are elevated. And because these things are elevated, they're connected to word gifts, and so word gifts can feel very natural, very comfortable, things that you deeply desire, or that you maybe always assume that you have one or multiple of these gifts. And that may be the case, and praise God. But I'm telling you this because I want you to be careful with these gifts. If you come from that place, be careful. Because what can happen is that you can begin to think that you have to have one of these gifts. That if you want to be a leader, if you want to be a person of influence, if you want to make a difference, that you have to have a word gift. You have to have the gift of teaching or leadership or apostleship or evangelism or pastoring or exhortation. Because they feel like they matter more. Now, you may believe, like we talked about last week, that there's no e economy gifts and first-class gifts, and they're all equal, but you desire something differently because you were raised and taught to desire something differently. And I'm not saying don't desire these gifts. I'm saying just set the sails of your heart open for all of the gifts and recognize that you do not need these gifts to be a leader. You can be a high-level leader in the church you can lead a bridge team and a serve team. You can be an, an elder or a deacon. You can be on a vision board team. You can create some great initiative and movement for the church that reaches hundreds of thousands of people and not have the gift of leadership or the gift of evangelism or teaching. That it is not dependent upon your, your position or opportunity that God gives you in the church is not dependent upon you having one of these gifts. Now, he may use these gifts in great ways and praise God because he does. But just open your heart and be willing to receive the gifts. Don't put pressure on yourself to feel like, well, I have to have one of these gifts. Please don't do that. Just like next week, don't put pressure on yourself to feel like, if I don't have a power gift, I'm not as spiritual as other people. That's not the case either. And you're not a higher level leader or more effective in ministry if you have a word gift. See, the prayer that I've been asking you all to, prayer, to pray is, is twofold. One is to pray for you. Pray for yourself that God would reveal the gifts that he's given you. And be open to all the gifts. Don't come in with any presuppositions. And secondly, to pray for other people in the church that all the gifts would be well represented in the church. And that prayer is something that I've been praying for the leadership of the church. You see, the leadership of a church on multiple levels is meant to represent the church. And so if the leadership is meant to represent the church, then it needs to have a multitude of gifts within it. Because the representation of the leadership is not just among representing the people and the cultures in your church. It's also representing the gifts that have been given to your church. 
which is all the gifts. It's many members with many gifts. And so no, you can have a mercy gift and God could use you in great ways of leadership. You can have a prophecy gift and God can use you in great ways in leadership. You can have a service gift and serve behind the scenes but be one of the greatest leaders in the church. So set your sails open. Be open to God revealing any of these. Be careful if you come from that tradition to not think, oh, I have to have one of these. Okay? So we're going to jump into the very first gift we see. It's one of the lists that is in Ephesians chapter 4, and that is the gift of teaching. The gift of teaching. Here's a definition for the gift of teaching. Here's what it is. It is the supernatural ability to unpack, instruct, and expose biblical truth in such a way as to cause people to understand and pursue God's nature and purposes. It is the supernatural ability to unpack Scripture so as to cause people to understand God's nature, His actions, and His purposes, His teaching. Now, this gift is not associated with teaching in general. So it's not like, well, I'm, I've been educated and trained in teaching, or I am a teacher, or I'm a public speaker, a communicator in work, so therefore I must have the gift of teaching. That's not the case. The gift of teaching is specifically teaching the Bible. It's unpacking and explaining the truth of Scripture. That's what the gift of teaching is. In Mark chapter 1, we see Jesus utilizing the gift of teaching because Jesus had all the gifts. And when he spoke, when he taught, people were amazed. They were astounded. They said, what kind of authority and teaching is this? See, when people use the gift of, of teaching, the response oftentimes is from the people that are listening is, wow, I never saw it that way. I never knew that. That I had an aha moment as you were speaking. People get it when you use the gift of teaching. So here are some clues that you have the gift of teaching. And you may even think to yourself, I don't like you know, standing up in front of people and, and teaching. I don't want to do what you're doing right now, Pastor. I don't want to do that. You still may have the gift of teaching, so be open. Because preaching and teaching are different. I'll share with that in a moment. Here are the clues. When you teach the Bible, when you teach Scripture, you put, in, you put, into, practice your, well, you put into practice your application. The Spirit works through that in ways that can't be explained. So when you teach or when you preach... The applications that you make or you share, it affects people in ways that can't be explained. It's not because you had catchy slogans or because you had this like great, you know, a, a little, like kind of breakdown and you had this awesome outline. It's because the Spirit works through your teaching and your preaching in a way that applies to people's lives where it has to be God. Secondly, you hunger for God's word and you are enthusiastically seeking out learning opportunities to deepen your knowledge. You are the person that keeps buying books on Amazon that are on theology and stuff, and you, you just keep buying them. You still have more to read, but you just, you're going to read them someday. You, you seek mentors and you watch and listen to those who have the gift of teaching. So you listen to podcasts and sermons and you're constantly consuming them. Alarm bells go off when scripture is misused, misunderstood, or misapplied. It affects you. You're like, that's not right. I don't think that's right. And you probably want your small group to go deeper all the time. You just want to, like, let's go deeper. Can we go deeper? And you probably let me know too. 
Now, it's important to understand that I think that this gift has two sides to it. There's an A side and a B side. The A side is the teaching side. This can take place among a small group of people in, you know, a, a Bible study, in a workshop, and something like side by side. But it has a B side, which is preaching. And preaching and teaching are different. I like to separate them because we see them differently in Scripture. Teaching is more about expounding the Bible, reading and studying the Bible and talking about it and helping people understand what it's saying. Preaching is applying the truth of Scripture to the hearts of people. So you can have the gift of teaching and maybe feel like, I don't, I don't want to preach. I just want to expound the Bible and teach Bible studies and have a small group of people and read through a Bible, you know, a passage of Scripture together. That's great. That's a gift of teaching. You should use it. Preaching is preaching to the heart of people. It's connecting Scripture to people's hopes and dreams and fears in a way that the Spirit uses what you preach to do powerful things and to move in people's lives. Oftentimes when people use the gift of preaching, people will say, I felt like you were speaking to me because the Spirit's using that. Now, I want to give a word of caution with this gift. If you are here and you think, maybe I have the gift of preaching, maybe you have the gift of teaching, this is the only gift that I, I know of that has a word of caution with it. So I have to share that with you because you may change your mind on how much you desire it after. Here's what it says in James chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. It doesn't look like he has the gift of encouragement. My brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. See, this gift comes with great power and great authority because you are teaching the very word of God to people. You're holding it out for people to see God's nature and his purposes and how he acts and moves in the world and in the church and in your life. And you're applying things to people's lives that directly affects it. And so James says, be careful. You may not want to desire it because there's a harder strictness of judgment on those who utilize this gift. So after I said that, if you're like, I think I have the gift of teaching, you probably do, okay, or preaching. And I want to tell you two things. If you have this gift, please hear this. I want to encourage you to do two things. First is this. Be taught before you teach. Be taught before you teach. Allow Scripture to teach you before you teach anybody else. Drink deeply from God's Word before you deliver God's Word to other people. Secondly, Read other people that disagree with what you think and be open to change, okay? It is really easy when you have the gift of teaching and preaching and you love reading and studying theology and you want to teach God's word, you want to teach this Bible study and you want to preach, you want to do all of this. It's really easy to create an echo chamber for yourself where you only listen to other people that think like you and that becomes really dangerous. Listen to other people. Interact with other people. And allow humility to take over that you may be wrong. Because, newsflash, none of us in this church have perfect theology. Okay? None of us. Be open to change. Second is the gift of exhortation or encouragement. This is the one gift that is not in the list from Ephesians chapter 4. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12 verse 8. We read it last week. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. This is in a list of other gifts. The Apostle Paul is saying, if you have it, then use it. If you have the gift of encouragement, then you are to use it. Here is what the gift of encouragement is. 
The gift of exhortation or encouragement is the capacity to urge people, listen to this, to urge people to action in terms of applying biblical truths, to encourage people with biblical truths, or to comfort people through the application of biblical truth to their needs. Now, I hope you caught what it was saying. Biblical truth, encouragement, comfort, urging people to action. The gift of exhortation or encouragement is different from the practice of encouragement. I would hope that all of us in this room want to practice encouragement, encouraging one another and spurring one another on. But the spiritual gift of encouragement is the ability to use Scripture to urge people, to charge people, to comfort people. This is the person that wants to use Scripture. They're, when they're reading Scripture, they're thinking about other people, and they want to take verses and passages and things that God has revealed to them to encourage or to exhort or to urge other people to move forward, to grow, to be comforted. It's unique in that it has that deep connection to Scripture. It is rooted in the truth of Scripture, and it is focused on people, but it has a goal in mind. It's not simple encouragement, like, hey, you're doing a great job. It is wanting to move people forward. Some have said that this is like a spiritual cheerleader, but with a purpose. You're cheering people on, you're encouraging people, you're comforting people, but you want to see people grow. It's like mercy with a kick. You know, it's like empathy, but like, here we go. We're going to keep going. We're moving forward. This is the spiritual gift of encouragement. Here are some clues that you have this gift. One, you are often thinking about writing a card, email, or text to people and letting them know that you're praying for them or sending them scripture when they are in a time of need. People genuinely react strongly to what you say in a positive way. God gives you a message to share with someone in need and puts a person on your heart that you should comfort. People may often confide their inner thoughts in you. You love to share the truth of a passage from the Bible to encourage other people, you're probably the person that posts stuff from Scripture on your Instagram. You love to share stories about God, whether they're your stories or stories of others, and people probably like to be around you. Some clues. Now, there's some difficulties with this gift, and I think it's important to highlight this. I wanted to share this. Sometimes people may perceive you to be trite or shallow because you're always encouraging people. You may feel underappreciated. At times, people may push back because they feel like you're trying to tell them what to do. And lastly, often people with this gift are lonely because they can't practice the gift on themselves. And they need other encouragers to see them and encourage them because they need encouragement just like anybody else. This is the gift of encouragement. It is a vital and crucial gift for the church. Third is the gift of apostleship. Now, this gift is different from the office of apostle in the New Testament. The office of apostle is just a few men that saw the resurrected Christ that were uniquely gifted to found and launch the church. Peter, James, John, Apostle Paul. So this gift is not like, hey, I'm just like Peter, okay? It's different. But this is a gift. In fact, in the New Testament, we see other people that are not people that have the office of apostle with the gift of apostleship. For instance, Timothy, Silas, a woman named Junia, 
There are many people that have the gift of apostleship, but they are not part of the office of apostle. The office of apostle is no more, but the gift of the apost of apostleship is alive and active in the church. And I want to say this about apostleship, and this is true for every gift, okay? This is really important. The gift of apostleship is for men and women. The gift of teaching and preaching is for men and women. All of the gifts are for all of the body. God does not say this gift is just for one gender. No, they're for everyone. And so these gifts, do not limit yourself. Maybe you were raised in a certain environment or tradition where you thought, I cannot have the gift of apostleship. No, you can. Junia in Scripture has the gift of apostleship. As we'll see next week, many women have the gift of prophecy. All the gifts are for all the body. And so this gift is for everyone like the others as well. Here's a very simple definition for the gift of apostleship. Here's what it is. The gift of apostleship, I lost it. Doesn't matter, I'll just tell you what it is. The gift of apostleship is a pioneering gift. This is someone that wants to start and restart initiatives, ministries. They're the people that are never satisfied with the status quo. They're always thinking about the next thing to do. When people are like, hey, let's just relax. Let's just like focus on what we're doing now. You're like, no, we got to keep going. we got to do something else to do. You always have ideas. You probably have the strength finder's gift of ideation. You're always thinking. You're pushing. You're visioning. And you're pioneering new ideas and new initiatives to reach people for Christ. And there are some clues that you have this gift. Here are some clues. You're a risk taker. You're a creative thinker. You have a deep sense of commissioning by God that's confirmed by others to start new things. You may have a profound spiritual influence on other people. And you think on a macro level. People may have said, hey, you need to get your head out of the clouds. They, people may say to you when you have an idea, that's never going to happen. You probably have the gift of apostleship. Fourth is the gift of evangelism. Here's a definition for the gift of evangelism. The spiritual gift, not practice, spiritual gift of evangelism. Here's what it says. Evangelism is the special ability to communicate the gospel message in relevant ways to people who are not of the faith. This is about presence and proclamation. If you look at Jesus' life, Jesus was always around people that did not believe in his message that he was the Messiah who has come to die and rise for the salvation of all. He was so much so with these people that were outcasted and denied him that he was labeled a sinner and a drunkard. People that have the gift of evangelism are always with people. They love to be with people that are not of the faith. And they desire deeply for those people to come to faith. See, Jesus didn't just spend time with people who didn't believe yet or who were labeled drunkards and sinners. He spent time with them and built relational equity so that he might preach the message of the kingdom and the gospel to them. People that have the gift of evangelism love to spend time in these environments. And they are thinking and praying for ways to share the gospel in relevant ways. Not, not necessarily cookie-cutter package ways, in relevant ways. Evangelists are always getting in conversations with people. They're focused on people. It is highly relational. This is the gift of evangelism. Here's some clues that you have the gift of evangelism. One, you're constantly getting into conversations about faith. All the time it's happening. 
It feels natural to you. It's not forced. You may converse easily with strangers, even on spiritual things. You love apologetics and studying how to defend the faith. You pray for those often who are far from God or are struggling. And you speak authoritatively about Jesus. C.T. Studd, who's a British missionary, he said this. Some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard from hell. That's an evangelist. Some people want to be really close to church, always around church. The evangelist is like, give me one step away from hell. That's where I want to be. In those environments with those people preaching the message of hope. And this is an important, such a vital gift because we see in 1 Corinthians 3 that the, the, the world is compared to like a farm by the Apostle Paul. And he says that some people are to plant seeds, some people are to water them, but God gives the growth. So all of us are called to be people of, that of, live a life of evangelism. We share the gospel, we speak about Jesus, we invite people to church, we're not ashamed of our faith. We all are called to practice that. But the people that have the gift of evangelism, it's like a chainsaw. And they do two primary things. One is they're constantly bringing people to faith, bringing people to church. You'll notice the people that have the gift of evangelism, they're inviting everyone all the time. Even when people say no, they just keep inviting. They're speaking to them on things of faith. And secondly, they are the people that help the church keep focusing its eyes and attention outside the walls of the church. Such a vital gift for leadership to make sure the church does not become inward focused, thinking just about ourselves and our programs and our ministries and things to build comfort and growth for us, but thinking about the city and people and how to reach people. These are the evangelists. Fifth, the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership is vision-oriented. It's looking to the future. Here's a definition for the gift of leadership. The gift of leadership is a divine enablement to cast vision, motivate, and direct people to harmoniously accomplish the purposes of God. People that have the gift of leadership are thinking about how to motivate and catalyze and move a group of people to accomplish the purposes of God. There's two aspects to this. The first aspect of the gift of leadership is church leadership. Church leadership are people that focus on the big picture of the church. They're thinking about how to move the church and motivate people to, to preach the gospel in the city and reach this city. And it comes from a deep and profound relationship with God that builds in them that desire to be in leadership in the church. Here are some clues that you have the gift of leadership. You set aside time to hear from God through spiritual practices in order to lead. Because people that have the gift of leadership want to be led by God first before they lead others. You're very conceptual. You're never satisfied. You keep pushing the goal down the road alongside others. You think about the group more than the individual. You believe that great things can be done for God's glory. And other people will say the vision is too big, but for you it feels a little bit too small. You're always thinking big and compelling people forward. This is the gift of leadership. Oftentimes people that are in positions of leadership in the church will discover that they have this gift. Primarily because they don't want to be left out of decision making. They're like, I, I got ideas. 
Let me share my ideas. Let me be a place where I can share my ideas. The second aspect of this gift of leadership, it, which is not necessarily church leadership, it is a position of leadership in the church, is prophetic leadership. The gift of prophecy has two parts to it. One is a power gift we'll see next week, and the other is the prophetic gift of leadership. This is the person that speaks truth to power for a direct purpose of fixing broken systems. This is the person that notices when there is not harmony, when people are not seen, when people are not heard, when there's systems and environments where the image of God is being destroyed in people, and people that have the gift of prophetic leadership want to speak out and speak against that. They're concerned not just with speaking against something, but they want to see restoration come to that. They want to rebuild they're not trying to deconstruct something just for the sake of deconstructing something that is bad. They want to reconstruct it into the way that God has designed for all people to flourish and be seen and be heard. It's very connected to the prophets of the Old Testament. The prophets of the Old Testament would go into the temple. They'd go into the marketplace. They'd go into legal systems. They'd go to the leadership of the city, and they would speak truth. So that the people of God that have wandered away might come back to the truth of God and find joy in his presence in the way that he's called us to live. This is the person that has prophetic leadership. I've said this many times, but one of the very clear examples of someone that has the gift of prophetic leadership is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He spoke not just to the church, but to the culture to change a broken system for the flourishing of all people, that all might be seen and heard and given dignity, the gift of prophetic leadership. And lastly is the gift of pastoring or shepherding. This is a person-centered gift. It's the person that thinks more about the individual than the organization. And here is what the gift of pastoring is all about. It's the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group so as to encourage them in their growth of Christ. This is the person that is highly relational. They are thinking about the concerns and care for others. They want to see the wounds of people healed. They want to see people have a, a safe environment to share and to be heard. They want people to, to be comforted. They are like the shepherd that is concerned for their sheep and knows their sheep by name. And when the one leaves the 99, they're going to go for the one to care and comfort and pastor. And it's important to understand this. The gift of pastoring or shepherding does not require you to have the title of pastor. You don't have to have the title to, to pastor as a verb. We've made it a title but the gift is for everyone. It's for people that have deep care and concern for others. Here's some clues. You follow up with people who express, express struggles or request prayer. You enjoy listening to the doubt and adversity faced by others and seek to help. You find yourself often visiting those sick. You love when there's an opportunity to take a meal to a family in need. You feel deep down that pe you just really want people to know Jesus and his love, and you're willing to do whatever it takes to journey with them so they might find that. You come along people with practical actions and pointed prayer. You teach and you lead well, but you're most effective in a smaller setting. And you love discipleship, like discipleship, discipleship. That's pretty much what, that's, that's the concern. You're like, we need more discipleship. You're probably a shepherd or a pastor. 
See, these gifts are really vital and important. And I hope that you, you, you resonate with these and you open yourself to realize that some of these gifts may be given to you. They're important for the church. They're important for you. And what I want to ask you to do is to not compare yourself to other people and to be open to the Spirit confirming these gifts in your life. It's really easy with some of these in particular to say, I certainly don't have the gift of leadership because I'm not a leader like that person. Or I don't have the gift of teaching because I can't teach like them. Or I don't have the gift of evangelism because I don't have that kind of courage. The gifts the Spirit develops and grows in you. Do not compare yourself to other people. Do not limit God and say, well, I don't know, my personality could not fit with that gift. Or the busyness of my schedule cannot fit with that gift. Or I've been uncomfortable in these environments. I certainly don't have that gift. Be open. Be sensitive. Because I want you to know this and I want you to hear this. You are not defined by your spiritual gift. You're not defined by your spiritual gift. You're defined by your identity in Christ. You are a son and daughter of God. You are loved. You are accepted. You are forgiven. And the very God who loves you, your father, he wants to give you good gifts. And spiritual gifts are part of it. He wants to give you good gifts, and he wants to see you develop them and deploy them in the church. So I want to close by saying this. God has chosen to give you chainsaws so you can use them. So you can use them. Because there is great joy when you see God utilizing these chainsaws that he's given you in your life. Don't be defined by it. Be open to whatever they may be and use them. Amen? Will you pray with me? God, we are grateful for these gifts and more that you have given your church. We pray that we would be people that are open, that we would not limit you, that we would not limit ourselves, that we would not think that we're certainly not capable of having this gift we would not even overvalue certain gifts. Lord, you have given all of the gifts to the church for the building up of the whole body. And this, these gifts here are no different. The gift of leadership, apostleship, teaching, exhortation, pastoring, and the gift of evangelism. God, we pray that anyone here in this room tonight that earnestly desires one or many of these gifts, that has an internal conviction, that is noticing now some of the ease at which it comes to them and some frequency of these gifts showing up in their life, and they sense a closeness to you, Jesus, when they utilize these gifts and they see the results, there's actually great power. Would you confirm in them deeply these gifts are given to them? And would you make known to them and to us here ways to utilize them because it is a tra tragedy to live deactivated. You have called us to live activated. And so I pray that we would be people living activated for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.